Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant, and with me today I got Noah Ayers from Tennessee, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about a grab they made in January of this year. So welcome, Noah. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. So right now you work for Memphis Fire Department, but this grab didn't happen at Memphis. But can you talk to us a little bit about your experience and then kind of the culture at the department uh, where you work? as far as search goes? Yeah. So, um, like, like you said, at the time, at the time I worked for, uh, the Rutherford County fire department, which is a County right outside of Nashville. Um, it's a pretty big County. Uh, we have, we had three career firehouses and then we were supported by five or five volunteer departments. So, um, I worked for the Rutherford County fire department and I was a volunteer with the Omelville fire department, which was, uh, which was in Rutherford County. Um, search culture wise, uh, we're, we're pretty aggressive County. Um, we, uh, we, you know, we, we do a lot of training with the career departments and the volunteer departments. Um, our main, uh, type of search was usually a split search. Um, however, response times being in the County, uh, kind of dictated what we would do. Um, there was a lot of cowboying kind of going on depending on where you were. Um, but uh, search culture wise, we were we were super aggressive when it came to search. Um, we we always split crews, and uh, you know if we had to knock out a BES or whatever it may be, depending on the situation, we would. Um, so, talk to me just uh, a little bit. I know volunteer departments vary from region to region. Can you tell me what like your average age of your department is, and a lot are a lot of those members working career elsewhere, or do they have regular jobs, or is it split? So I think we, we ran the numbers and like 80% of our volunteer fire department was career um, somewhere. So um, the, the average age is probably 28 um, is our average age. It's a lot of young dudes. All of our officers are super young. All of our firemen are super young. So a, a lot of really young guys here. Um, and, and 80 to 90% of us are career firemen somewhere else. Yeah. And I just want, I know we got listeners from all over, so I I don't want somebody to necessarily take exactly what you guys are doing there and say, you know, uh, we're doing this in, in, you know, rural Minnesota or something where the average age is like 65 and everybody's got uh, a different job other than a fireman. Right. So uh, why don't you talk to us? Let's take us back January 2nd, 2021 and tell us about this run. Yeah. So, um, I was at my volunteer department. Uh, we were we were pretty stacked that day. We had a we had a full engine, so we had six dudes on our rescue engine, which we ran the we run the rescue engine concept here. So we had a uh, six dudes. We had two recruits. Uh, they had been out of recruit school for maybe like two weeks. Uh, they had, they hadn't made a fire yet. Um, they were both riding in the back of me. I was riding in the back. Um, and it was it was noon. We were trying to figure out where we were going to go for lunch. Uh, we had just did a little bit of training that morning and they banged out a house fire, uh, kind of in the middle of the County. Um, so I knew, I knew the road, we go to that road a lot. I knew where it was and I knew we were all going to kind of meet there. Um, so they put it out. There was no notes on, on our MDT for it. Just said house on fire initially. Uh, so we tore out of here. Um, we were putting down the road and we were getting ready to get on the interstate because 
a lot of our area in the county, we have to get on the interstate to get access to it. So we were getting on the interstate and when we were turning on the interstate, I looked over and I could see a header and uh, we were still probably five miles out and I could see a really good header. And I was like, all right, so we got a good fire. Um, we were putting down the interstate and dispatch came over the radio and said, uh, the homeowner's stating that somebody's still trapped inside. So uh, we were like, okay. And we figured uh, rescue engine 60, which is the career engine. They're not far from that neighborhood that the fire went out in. So we figured they would be on, but they would be on top of it pretty quick. But um, we found out after the fact that they were actually at Publix, which is a grocery store here, um, which is kind of out of a little out of pocket for them. So they were actually at Publix when it went out. So um, we're coming down the we're coming down the interstate, and the house was actually sitting off the interstate. You could see the neighborhood. So. As we're coming up and we're getting off the exit, you could look over and you could see, I mean, we had fire through the roof of this house already. And we were like, okay. Um, so dispatch came over the radio, you know, they confirmed, hey, we have an entrapment. And then our one of our EMS units got on the scene first and they came over the radio and they said, hey, we do have somebody trapped inside. And our EMS, that EMS unit that day was super good about it. They said, you know, the victim's going to be in the AD corner room. I can see him. He's laying down on the floor. Um, we're trying to get to him, but we can't get you know to him with the smoke. Um, so we got on the radio, and uh, my lieutenant got with the rescue engine 60, which was that first two engine, and he said, "Hey, you know, you guys go ahead and get get a pre-connect laid, and we're going to do a primary and get that guy." So um, my lieutenant looked back at me, me being the senior most guy in the backs. Um, he said, hey, Noah, uh, if he's really in the AD corner, I want you to go ahead and do a VES. I was like, all right, I got it. Um, at that time, our county shift commander checked on scene, you know, established a working fire. Um, and that was all he said. So we, we were kind of thinking as we were coming off the interstate, we were like, well, if that's all he gave us, uh, he might be trying to make this grab as well. So um, we turned on the road. We had three engine companies that met at the at the turn of the road, um, we started going down the road and got on scene. And so rescue unit 60 was first on scene. We pulled up right behind him. They started laying a pre-connect and I immediately jumped off the pumper and I went straight to that window. Um, the craziest thing for me is like, I haven't had a fire up to this point. I haven't made a fire with, uh, with like a confirmed entrapment yet. So, um, I was, I was kind of, you know, I got a little bit of tunnel vision as I got off the pumper. And the craziest thing was I stepped off the pumper and I swear every neighbor in this entire neighborhood was there. There was 20 plus people standing in the front yard. I had EMS in the front yard. I had the sheriff's office in the front yard and everyone kind of like circled me as I was, you know, making my way through the front yard telling me he's in here, he's in here, he's in here. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, you guys are all pretty sure that he's right there. So that's where I'm going. Um, I got up to the window and sure enough, what we thought my shift commander was making the window. Um, you know, they carry air packs on their, on their pickups and everything. So he had got out, got dressed and he was going in the window as I got up to the window. Um, he went in and I was right there. You know, I told him, I was like, Hey cap, I'm right behind you. I got you. And he went in and he was on the bed as soon as he went in the window. And I guess, uh, some plastic or something, some melted plastic or something along those lines dripped and landed on his ear. Um, and it messed him up pretty bad. He turned around. He's like, I got something on my ear and it came out the window. And I was like, okay. 
I was like, well, I got it. Um, I went in the window. You know, it's just me and him at the window at this point and every neighbor under the sun. So I went in the window, and it was weird because as soon as I went in the window, the bed was pressed right up against the window. So I went in the window, and I ended up right on the bed. I was like, okay, cool. Did a quick sweep of the bed, nothing. Got down off the bed, and I made my way to the bedroom door to shut that door. Um, when I got to the door, I realized that the whole door uh, was was no longer intact. I went to go shut it, and there, there wasn't anything to shut at that point. Uh, visibility was absolutely zero, um, and it was super it was super hot in there. Um, so I kind of looked out in the hallway to see what was going on to see if I could see anything, and I could see like a wall of fire pretty much rolling down the hallway. And I was like, okay, so I don't have much time. I can't isolate this room. So let me get a quick search. So I turned around and I did a quick search of the room. Um, I made my way around the room. I got to the closet and this was another thing that kind of messed me up. I was searching through the closet and I found a Christmas tree in the closet. Um, the Christmas tree was covered with clothes and I don't know, like the circumference of the Christmas tree made me think I found somebody initially. Um, I wrapped up the Christmas tree and I was like, Oh, Hey, I got somebody. And I started uncovering the clothes from it and realized it was a Christmas tree. And I was like, okay, never mind. I don't have anybody. Um, so I turned around and I did another lap of the room. And about that point I was like, okay, I'm cooking in here. Um, I could see my, my borks, you know, my borks were drooping. My face piece was glazing over. I was like, all right, so this isn't good. I'm hurting pretty bad. Uh, so I went back to the window and at that time the city fire department had showed up. And I got to the window and there was a whole bunch of city firemen standing right there. And I was like, Hey, I need some help in here to find this guy. And, uh, one of the captains on this, the ladder company that showed up was like, Hey, I got you, Noah. Um, and he came in the window with me and we both did a search of that room again together. Cause you know, we were certain he was in there. Everybody was telling us he was in there. So we both did a search of that room together and, um, couldn't find him. Um, so at that point we were both burning up pretty bad, ended up jumping out the window. Uh, we decided that it, it wasn't, it wasn't good for us to stay in there anymore. So we both went out the window and there was a hose line sitting right outside the window at that point. So got out the window, grabbed that hose line. I cooled the room off, went back in the window and I started to make my way down, uh, out of that bedroom that we initially went in with that hose line. Um, we had a good amount of fire in the hallway and a good amount of fire in the bedroom adjacent to this room. Um, so I started pushing, um, knocked the fire down in the hallway, started knocking the fire down in the bedroom, ended up running into the initial, the first in engine company, ended up running into them with a hose line. Um, we both kind of split off, started putting as much fire as we could. I made the second bedroom, which was across um, from the initial bedroom I went in and started putting fire out in there. And I ended up finding the guy in that bedroom, um, came across him. He was in the bathtub. Um, so me and, uh, the Lieutenant from another engine company ended up finding him and we were like, Hey, we got him. Um, he had crawled in the bathtub and, uh, you know, he was at that point he was, he was long gone, you know, um, there was nothing we could do for him at that point, but we found him in the bathtub. We ended up radioing out, Hey, we got him. We got him. And, uh, the, um, 
the incident commander and stuff didn't want us to pull him out initially um, because they were like, hey, if he's if it's not a viable grab, um, let's let's hold off on the investigators. So we were like, okay. So I left the room. I started making my way down the hallway with the hose line still. I was putting out fire. And that's when I realized I was like, I was hurting pretty bad. So I was like, man, something ain't right. Like I'm, I was stinging all down my arm, all down my neck, all over my ears. I was like, something's not right. You know, I'm hurting. And I ran into somebody and I was like, hey, take this hose line. I'm going to go outside and see what's up. Um, so I handed her the hose line and I ended up going outside. And I went outside and I was met by like three people outside and they were ripping turnout gear off me. And I didn't realize it, but I, I had got third degree burns down my ears, down my neck. Um, on my shoulder and stuff and my, my turnout gear was just burnt to a crisp. Um, so I was like, okay. So I got out and, and they ripped turnout gear off me and they were like, Hey, you know, you're, you're burnt bad. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, so, uh, they ended up making me get transported. Um, and I, I ended up getting released later that day, but, um, it was, uh, it was, a uh, it was kind of a wild thing. Cause for me, like, you know, you hear about all these, all these VESs and all these grabs that dudes are making and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I, you know, we're going to get in there and we're going to make this grab. So the whole time we're going, you know, they confirmed the entrapment. I was like, yeah, we're going to make this grab. I'm going to do a VES. We're going to get the guy and all that stuff. But the amount of like wrenches we had thrown in showing up and the amount of people we had there, like it was just, it wasn't what you trained for. Um, so it kind of threw us for a loop, but. How did that? Uh, how did the initial reports of where the victim was impact your guys' search? Would it would have been easier? Do you think just going uh, right front door and searching closest to the fire and back, or you know, how did that affect you? So the initial, you know, when we were going, I would say we would have went through the front door initially. Um, until that EMS unit got on scene and said they could see him. Um, I don't know if they saw him or not. Um, I, I wasn't there to, to really figure it out, but they said they could see him in the AD corner bedroom. So um, initially we're, we're usually pretty good about going through the front door unless we absolutely, you know, need to, need to make a BES. Um, so I, I, would, I would say we probably would have went through the front door and worked closest to the fire out. Um, but since that EMS unit said, hey, we see him in this in this corner bedroom, um, I think we just kind of all agreed on, hey, if we see him in that corner bedroom, we're going for the corner bedroom. Um, and then when I got out, like I said, I had neighbors and I had the sheriff's office and I had EMS and everybody was telling me, hey, he's in this room right here. They were all standing around the window. They were like, he's right here. I see him. I see him. And I was like, OK. You know, so I took I took their word for it and I, and I went for it. Um, it just. He wasn't there. So I don't know if they saw him and, and maybe maybe they did see him and he crawled away and got to the other bedroom or um, I don't I don't really know what happened, but um, I took their word for it, which um, I guess at, and at the end, it kind of messed me up a little bit. So, no, that's a real, real legit clue when you got multiple people saying or, yeah. or an emergency unit that says, hey, I, I we saw him in this room. Sometimes we talk about. Uh, bystanders reports and, and making sure that we find out hey what's the age of this victim because a baby mm -hmm. is going to be in the crib and not move but i know if i had a teenager that was in there 
uh, once it gets hot, that teenager might not be in that, uh, in that room anymore and they may, may be on their, their way out. So, uh, right. Just points to consider. Um, what, what was the timeline as all this went down? So, uh, the run went out at like 12.01 in the afternoon was when that run went out. When we got on scene, uh, we had a eight-minute response, if I remember correctly. We had an eight-minute response. I mean, that was pretty typical for our county responses. And then um, victim was located within four minutes on scene. So um, I, it somewhat quick. Um, I guess, but it took you I, longer I spent a lot to of time in that initial bedroom. It took you longer to explain the story than that whole four minutes would have been. So, I mean, to put things in perspective. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's super quick. Yeah. I spent um, I spent a lot of time in that initial bedroom, um, and th- and that was something that, like, after the fact, I I did a lot of thinking, and and um, I was just like, you know what, um, I spent too much time in that initial bedroom. But when I think back on it, I had everybody. T- so I, I did like three or four sweeps of that bedroom and until I was certain that he wasn't in there. Um, and, you know, I even brought somebody else in the window. I was like, hey, search this room with me. Like he's I can't find him if he's in here. Uh, so um, I, I felt like I spent a lot of time in that room. But I guess in reality, we you know, we found him within like four minutes. So it. I guess it wasn't too long, but um, it felt like a long time. Um, talk talk about that Christmas tree thing. I think I'm gonna use that in some scenarios uh, <laughs> for now on. Come Christmas time, I'm jamming a Christmas tree in every search scenario. Um, yeah, like- so I mean, it was kind of like a wild thing, and I don't even know what it was, but the Christmas tree was laying in the bottom of the closet, and it was you know, a normal size Christmas tree. And there was a whole bunch of clothes, I guess, from the closet or whatever that was, had fallen all over the Christmas tree. And when I stuck my arm in there, I kind of went around the Christmas tree and all the clothes and everything made me feel like I like had a person. So I like stuck my arm around it and I was like, what the, and I was like, I think I got him. And I remember thinking in my head, oh, I got him. I got him right here. And I picked it up and it was just super light. And I was like, oh, okay, there's no way. But my initial like stuck my arm around him and he was like the width of a normal human. And I was like, Oh, I got this guy and uh, all the clothes on top of him and everything. Um, so it kind of took me a second threw me for, uh, it kind of took me a second. I was like, man, I think I got this guy. And then I picked it up and I was like, okay, no, I don't have him. So any other takeaways that you had, like with the door, did you expect, you know, I know we come into the fires all the time and, and the door loses its integrity especially those hollow core doors. Uh, had you run into that before? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen it on, you know, I've seen it at, at multiple fires where that door is going to lose its integrity, but I guess, you know, we teach vent, enter, isolate, search all the time. So I guess I went in and that was the first thing I did was I went to the door, you know, and uh, I didn't expect to not be able to close that door. Um, I went right up to the door and I, and I was feeling around I found it and I went to go close it. And like the whole half of the door was burnt off. The whole top part of the door was burnt off. So I just had like this little door at the bottom pretty much that I was, was still on the hinge and I kind of swung it and I was like, well, and um, yeah, I, I've, I've seen it before, you know, I've seen the, the those hollow core doors lose integrity, but I did not expect it at, at 
at this fire, you know, because that's we train so much on vent inner isolate search, you know, get in there and shut that door. And and the one time I went to go shut the door, there was there was nothing there to shut. So um it definitely threw me threw me for a loop there. Yeah. And something cool you can throw into drills that we've done before is uh just take it like a twin mattress and throw that over the opening. Now and yeah. we know that it ain't gonna hold up for very long or looking at closet doors, making a habit of that to uh taking a door off a hinge uh off the closet just put it mm -hmm. over um but but uh solid yeah. work you, you weren't you weren't sticking in there to have a camp out or anything but just yeah. enough to to get that search done yeah. well no i appreciate you sharing the story um we want to let anybody know if you guys get a grab or assist live or otherwise just record that information firefighter rescue survey the information is for us by us um and because if we're not getting the real stories we're just making it up if you want to share your story on the podcast, you can reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, uh, Nick Ladine, or uh, Justin McWilliams, because we want to really try to bring some of these stories to life. It's the best way to uh, get a hold of us and keep this thing going. I appreciate it, Noah. Stay aggressive out there and keep spreading the word. Yes, sir. Thank you.